Hello, 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 golfers. It's Friday. You know what that means. It's time for our latest and greatest edition of the Big Beat Podcast. Before I bring in today's special guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. We can see all our content. Got a bit uploaded a video last night, so you can see that. Also, check out the Big Beat Podcast for your audio deliveries on Spotify and Apple. Well, joining us from overseas is, <laughs> is uh, one of my favorite golf buddies. It's uh, coming in a red hot with some of his uh, betting advice. It's my buddy, uh, Tom Jacobs. Tom, are you getting the driver or three wood, Randy? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's been it's been good, right? I mean, it's it's, it's nice to uh, you know treat yourself, and maybe a driver is incoming. But uh, no, it's it's been good. It's been a, it's been a nice run. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. It doesn't. It never seems to last for very long, but uh, we'll enjoy it while it's happening. Yeah. So, uh, Tom, tell us about your red hot betting streak because it seemed like for what three or four weeks you picked the you picked one of the guys who was going to win every event. Yeah. So uh, it, it all started with uh, starting on the DP World Tour. We had uh, Thomas Peters in Abu Dhabi. Um, and then I had Will Zalatoris, who lost in a playoff at Torrey Pines. Uh, Tom Hoagie then got over the line. Uh, Scotty Scheffler then won the Phoenix. And Joaquin Neiman, obviously a bit of a profession uh, in uh, in Genesis as well. So it was, it was a really good run. Um, it did end at the Honda. Uh, I was anticipating it ended at the Honda. It's quite a hard event to... Uh, to get going, but then of course uh, Rory McIlroy, first round leader yesterday at Bay Hill as well, kept the uh, kept the streak alive. Yeah, <laughs> about time Rory McIlroy showed up at uh, on at a uh, on his event. Uh, maybe maybe this week Rory McIlroy will take home the bacon. Of course, of course, it'll be the week before a big event instead of the big event. Yeah, right? yeah that's it. Sounds about right, but it's. It's a perfect sign that that event is uh, it rewards course for him, right? Like, you know, they seem to all go back there and play very well each year. He's had one finish outside 11th uh, since he's played there. So he's very, very consistent. I think he has the lowest round um, every tournament. So he's, uh, he's a very strong player. And, and I, I kind of, well, as you know, I, I put a first round leader bet on him. So I kind of expect him to go low yesterday. Um, as we're talking now, he's kind of over par for his first few holes uh, to start Friday. But uh, I imagine he'll be in the mix come the weekend. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if uh, McRoy's in contention this weekend. But uh, you know, one guy who ordinarily would be or may not be playing, but is always in the headlines, is a. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, and I'm glad you brought the Puma hoodie out today because <laughs> Puma's golfer is, uh, well, not playing this weekend due to a wrist injury, but Bryson's always seems to be in the news for one reason or another. Yeah, it's... I don't know what's happening with Bryson, right? I think there is an injury there, and I think it is quite significant. So I think he fell uh, when he played the Saudi International, quite ironically, considering what's going on with him. Um, also injured his wrist, and he's. I think he's also got a bruised bone in his hand. I think I heard him say. So, I think he's struggling. I think a lot of it is probably 
to do with the amount of work he puts in on his swing, uh, the amount of times he's hitting driver probably doesn't help his hand, right? Especially if he's injured. Um, I also think it might be uh, a, lot, a lot easier to take time off when you are under the scrutiny of, of trying to make a move to the Saudi Gulf League. Yeah, if you may not heard, there's been this talk about this rival golf league starting in Saudi Arabia. I mean, some of the top golfers mentioned Ben Bryson, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, perhaps playing in the Saudi Arabia Tour because Saudi Arabia can pay more than the PGA Tour pays. But do you really think that Bryson would ever leave the PGA Tour and play in Saudi Arabia? I think if enough people went over there, right? I think that his in his statement, he kind of said all the time he, the, the PGA Tour has the best players, he'll stay there. But I, I think what he was hoping was that Dustin Johnson was going to join him in Saudi Arabia. I was thinking he was going to hope that, you know, um, Tommy Fleetwood or someone like that would have taken it. Shane Lowry, maybe. Just just players that were quite good enough to give him a test uh, to give the, the the world rankings enough of a boost, right, because it's affiliated with the Asian Tour, which was one of the bigger stumbling blocks before was because they needed that to, to get into the major championships. But he was going to get $130 million. So, um, yeah, I think I think he would want to go. I think that Phil Mickelson blew that opportunity up um, by, by speaking the way that he did. And I think that Phil Mickelson was hoping that he could still do it. But... Um, we shall see. I think I think there's still some life in it. Um, there was talk they were going to make an announcement this week at the players, which is a, a real kick in the teeth to the tour if that does come about. But um, yeah, I think I think it's part injury, part trying to avoid the spotlight as to why he's not API this week. Because you because if you think about it, last year, Bryson won the API and he really fits the golf course because Bay Hill is more of a driver driver course. Yeah, yeah, and and also he did actually finish inside the top uh, top three in the the Players' Championship last year. Which, considering the golf course, you wouldn't necessarily think that was the case. It's not a golf course you generally tend to overpower. Um, but sort of earlier in his career, those kind of Pete Dye courses kind of suited him. So maybe he's still got a little bit of that about him, uh, despite the the bomb and gouge approach that he takes now. Wasn't that wasn't uh, well, wasn't Bryson and Lee Westwood in the same final pairing for this for two consecutive golf tournaments? It was Bay Hill and the players. Yeah, and what I do you know what I think I find fascinating as well, right? So last year Justin Thomas won it. Um, with, with a great final round of 68 and it was Justin Thomas first, Lee Westwood second and the so the 2020 edition was cancelled at the players right but 2019 Rory McIlroy finishes first Jim Furyk second um, by a shot. Now to me that's kind of perfect symmetry. You've got Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas, you've got Lee Westwood and Jim Furyk so when you're looking at those kind of betting cards next week you look at some of the form I wouldn't be surprised if a, a little wily veteran gets themselves into the mix and, and finds himself in the contention come Sunday. And find me a guy who's played more Pete Dye course than Jim Furyk. I mean, he's what fifty <laughs> some odd years old, and yet, and yet, could, could show up against these youngins at uh, at Sawgrass. That's it. His swing looks like he's falling out of a tree, but it's uh, it's been very efficient for years and. Uh, yeah, it's testament, really. I, I think to the golf course that 
you can have such different people contending at any given time. You know, you're looking at this leaderboard right now uh, from 2021 players. So Justin Thomas first, Lee Westwood second, Brian Harmon and Bryson DeChambeau tie for third. You know, that's a that's a real athletic mix of players. Uh, then you've got Matthew Fitzpatrick in the top 10. You've got Shane Lowry in the top 10. Um, you know, Charles Howell third was top 10. It, there's a real mix of Victor Perez. Obviously, was was in good form on the DP World Tour at the time. It's it's a real mix of people that can contend there. And I think that's what makes it so appealing because you've got obviously the 17th hole that everybody focuses on and you've got, you know, the, the drivable path or the, you know, the, the risk reward par fives down the stretch as well. But it, it's really interesting to see who is going to contend next week because we've got a lot of players that are trying to find their game as well ahead of the Masters. And I think they're people you want to keep an eye on. Uh, go ahead. So when we talk about sawgrass, um, what, what would you say you need to um, look out for in terms of a test? Uh, well, when I think of sawgrass, I think, well, for one, it's a peat dye course. So, so you've got to have some expertise for peat dye because you'll throw some quarks and, and nerds and crannies everywhere. Secondly, I don't think I don't think you need the most power at Saltcrest, but I think you need to be a good ball striker and three. And three, and maybe most importantly, avoid the water because yeah. at Saltcrest there is a ton of water, not just at the uh, most at the uh, you know what hole, but everywhere. I mean, even the eighteen. Everybody's looked at seventeen, eighteen hole might be one of the hardest finishing holes in golf because. Literally, if you hit the ball left, you might find the ball in the Atlantic Ocean falling. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough, right? And I think I think that's the beauty of Pete Dye is that he doesn't need um, you know, to I guess he, he does that with the hazards, right? He do, that's how he gets players caught out. He he tries different lines, he gets people to think more about their approaches, takes driver out of people's hands. Things like that. So I think there's there's a lot to like about his layouts. I think you kind of either love or hate Pete Dye. I think that's the same with the players as well. I think a lot of the players, um, you know, struggle on his golf courses and and tend to avoid them if they can. But you can't avoid the players' championship. Yep. And uh, I mean, it's at the PGA Tour home in Palm Vita Beach, and uh, I, I I don't think the golfers mind playing a tournament in Jacksonville this time of year. No, it's interesting because they've they've moved it to to March now, right? That happened in uh, ahead of the 2019 renewal, um, and obviously, someone yourself, you're fairly local to to the area. I imagine it's quite exciting to to have that kind of tournament at this time of year, as opposed to after the Masters. Yeah, because now you've got you've got maybe not a major with this one, but you've got a major like event here. The Masters in May in April, the PGA in May, the US Open in June, and the Open in July. Yeah, it, it, it we're now in the business end, right? Like I think that I think Bay Hill turns it up a notch. I think that takes it to another level in terms of um prestige. Obviously, you're playing for Arnold Palmer, uh, you know, the memory of Arnold Palmer. You've got the red cardigan, you've got a lot of good players that turn up there, but you've also got guys that take a week off ahead of Sawgrass and 
One player I'd be really interested to see how he comes out is Dustin Johnson. You know, this is a, this is a guy that that had a little bit of a checkered past um, at TPC Sawgrass. It wasn't particularly uh, the best golf course for him. Uh, you, you know, you go back to 2010, he started 34th, 57th in 2011, withdrew 2013, then it was 59th, 69th, 28th, and he really struggled. And then all of a sudden, 2017, 12th, 2018, 17th, 2019, 5th. You know, all of a sudden, it seems like he's kind of figured it out. Uh, wasn't as good last year, and and the form's not great. But I think he's going to get out to a price where you might want to bet him just uh, just for the ceiling of of what Dustin Johnson is. I think a couple guys in that twenty, in that low mid 20, 20, 20 the one twenty twenty two the one range are very interesting. One, I think you've got the. I think you've got. One of the big names, but how about I go with the guy who's actually reading the API right now, Mr. Hoffman. Yeah, I mean... Because, finally, is... because yes, everyone's saying how well John Rahm and Patrick Cantley are playing. Find me a hotter golf around the world than Mr. Hoffman. I think, you know, you always hear this kind of narrative that he doesn't win in the United States, right? Because he's all his wins come in Mexico, Puerto Rico on the, the DP World Tour. Um, but he can win anywhere, right? Like, he he is just so talented. He's a, he's a star. Um, but I, I do think it will take his game up a notch, despite the fact that he's top four in the world. He was third for, for a little while there. Um, there's not really much left to prove, but I, I do think a player's win uh, gets him warmed up nicely for major championship season. And plus, uh, Ricky Fowler won a player, so he's got to match his Oki teammate, right? It's so close. He has. He has. I mean, you, you think about it's interesting because that, that was a, a decent amount of time between wins for Ricky Fowler as well. I think it had been kind of maybe two and a half, three years since um, Ricky Fowler had won when he won the players. So, um, obviously, not the case with Victor Hovland, but I do think that kind of turned around his career because there was, I think it was, uh, there was a poll, wasn't there, right back then that who was the most overrated golfer on tour and the the players anonymously voted Ricky Fowler uh, and then he came out and won the players championship so um, not a bad way to stick it to your fellow players that don't think you're very good um, but he's got his own troubles at the moment he's trying to fight uh, his game mainly his putting his ball striking has been pretty good um, but it's just his putting that's let him down which is strange for Ricky Fowler yeah, if only Daniel Berger could have put last week in the Han and then <laughs> but that's a story for another day. Yeah, so that was a rough finish. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming, but Daniel Berger's putting's been a little ugh, lately, which is <laughs> odd because Berger's usually one of the best putters on tour. I don't like his approach to putting, I've got to be honest. Is the the way he gets his caddy to line it up and he steps away from it. I, yeah, I think that leads to trouble. I think he kind of thinks too much about it. He needs to probably free that up and uh, get a bit more natural with it. Yeah, over, yeah, overthought, and then you then you miss an eleven. That's that's the worst thing, right? He takes all that time and he still misses. Like if he if he took all that time and they were going in, you can't really argue. You see the guys with the aim point; they take a lot of time. But that is just ridiculous to take that much time and miss. Hey, at least Ron, hey, at least Berger didn't mention 11 inch punt like Ron yesterday. No, I mean, I was um, lambasting Paul Casey today for his amount of missed putts that he's had. I think he had four or five inside 12 feet, but 
Um, yeah, not not one inside 12 inches that he missed. So that just shows that no one's immune to, um, you know, a concentration lapse. That's all that was, right? There's no technique issue there. He is simply not paying enough attention, probably frustrated, all in the head, like you say. Um, decided to take his eye off the ball and, uh, and, and just tap it in when we know that every putt matters. So another guy in the 20s I like is uh, Xander Schaufel. Now, true, is this really a Xander course? Probably not, but, you know, Xander's capable of winning everywhere. And, yeah, the Olympic gold medal's nice, but Xander's got to win one of these big-time trophies, whether it be a player's or a major. It's, it's weird for, for Xander Schaufel, right, because you'll, you'll see the players that have won this year that have got wins for the first time, right? We're talking about Luke List, we're talking about Tom Hoagie, we're talking about Scotty Scheffler, all players that are kind of getting their overdue wins, if you like. And I think people now think that, you know, the very best that haven't won for a while are going to do that, and that uh, would be Xander Schoffler. But I think we've seen him for a number of years now that he's just not, like, he hasn't got that killer instinct. And, you know, okay, he was second here in 2018, but he missed the cut in 2019 when it moved to March. He missed the cut again last year. Uh, when it was played in March. So um, I will never rule Xander Schauffele out because he's a, a T-degree merchant and, you know, all he's got to do is kind of piece it all together for four rounds, which is something he seems to struggle with. But, uh, yeah, I think I think I would probably buy him with the upside of, of someone like a Hideki Matsuyama or a, um, like you said earlier, a Victor Hovland if I was going to go in that range. So if you go, so uh, name me a big name, maybe below those guys you like, a couple big names below the guys at the favorites or even the guys at 20 or 20-something, near 20 to 1. So, so going away from, you, you know, the top of the best thing, I'd probably look at Paul Casey. I'm already on him this week. Um, he, he's 50 to 1 where I can see um, playing very, very well, striking the ball well, plays well in Florida. Um, obviously with those couple of Valspar championship wins. And he never he never played great here up until last year. He was fifth. Um, and I think that's really important. I think once you've got that under your belt and done it once, um, I think it all becomes a little bit easier. Um, and Billy Horschel is on fire, right? You know, a guy that's never won in his home state, um, perfect for his ball striking prowess. Um, mixed, mixed form here over the years, Billy Horschel. Uh, nothing to, to get excited about. Um, but certainly good enough to to get a tournament win. You know, he's had many top 30 finishes here and enough to kind of suggest that a good passing week might help him. Talk about, talk about consistency. Uh, find me, uh, talk, well, a guy who seems like he's in that group who could break through maybe Will Zalatoris because finally a guy who's been better in like majors or big tournaments and big Z. Yeah. And, and the thing I always say about Will Zalatoris as well is I kind of wait for these weeks because like every other week, like the, the smaller events, he's going to be one of the favorites because everybody wants to be on his first win. So he's going to be 20 to one. He's going to be 25 to one, 18 to one, whatever. But you get him into these kind of big events and, and the players championship majors, etc. And he's kind of 50 to one or 40 to one or whatever he is at the moment. You know, I don't think it matters what tournament it is. I don't think the pressure is the problem. I think there's a, a definite technical issue uh, with his putting on short range parts. I think there's a little bit of a mental issue there as well because he's a very good lag putter. So his ball striking and lag putting is absolutely excellent. Uh, off the tee, he's, he's, he's superb. It's purely just tidying up those short putts 
um, you know, when you get into the mix. And a guy who recently won a big tournament in Riviera, how about Mr. Joaquin Neiman? Yeah, I like Neiman. I, as I said earlier, I was on him at 70 to 1 um, at Riviera. And, you know, he was tied 29th last year. He's, he's shown that he liked, or to a certain extent, liked the golf course. Didn't break 70, um, but he got better every every round, 73, 71, and then a pair of 70s over the weekend. So um, enough there to kind of suggest. But the one name we haven't said, um, nearer the top of the market again, uh, and someone I'm, I'm very keen on next week is Colin Morikawa. Um, final round 66 here last year. After a Saturday 76 kind of took him well out of contention. To me, that, that's a, a real good sign of someone that's playing exceptionally well. We know what he did at Riviera to kind of close the gap on uh, on Wacky Neiman there. And I just think that because everyone loves Hovland, because everyone wants to talk about John Rahm, Colin Morikawa quietly just goes about his business until he gets in contention. And then everybody goes, oh, yeah, Colin Morikawa's here. And, and here we go again. I can't I can't believe people overlook Colin Morikawa. Let's see. He's won the 2020 PGA and won last year's Open. Oh, yeah, and he won the WGC in San, just up the road from me last year. I'm just saying, yeah. find me a better guy the last year and a half or so. And, and, and I think the thing is, is that, you know, John Rahm is – the model of consistency, right? He's someone that is just always going to be top 10, top 20, even when he's playing bad, even when he's putting bad, he seems to be able to find his way on the top of the leaderboard, but doesn't win as much as he should. Now, I, th- I would say that he was probably robbed of two wins last year because he lost, he got the memorial taken away from him due to COVID. Uh, I do believe he would have gone on to win that, although nothing's you know safe on, on a Sunday, it appears. But then if he'd have got that, let's say he had that win, let's say he closed it out, he then would have been leading the FedEx Cup uh, rankings and, and all of a sudden he goes into that lead that Patrick Cantley went in there with and he won the 72-hole scoring at uh, the Tour Championship. So I do think that John Rahm has had two wins taken away. But with that said, you know, Colin Murakawa's got the wins. He, he's done it, like you say, two, two majors, one WGC, um, you know, really run down Wacky Neiman at Riviera, great final Sunday round. So to me, I, I think, everything points to another positive week for Colin Morikawa. The only thing now is that because he had that big week at Riviera or certainly that big Sunday, the the odds of him have gone shorter than 20 to 1, whereas he was 20 to 1 that week. So who's one guy you're thinking about just fading? Because obviously Rom's, what, 8 to 1, so you're not going to bet him. But who's one guy you're not thinking of betting next week? Tough one because, you know, I'd like to say Patrick Cantlay. I, I really would because it's it's a tough one. And, you know, he's got a good record on these types of golf courses. And I, I just think that there's something missing from him actually getting over the line. I think he should have won at Pebble Beach or at least contended better than he did. He should have put it away at Phoenix um, and Scotty Scheffler left the door open. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that Patrick Cantlay should be doing. And again, he was the beneficiary of those two wins that Ram potentially got taken off of him. So is he being overrated in the market because of those wins that, that maybe would have gone another way had uh, COVID not happened? Interesting you mentioned Cantley because uh, finally, because like Ram, Cantley is so consistent, but maybe his 
I don't know if say lack of track record, but maybe the pressure could get them because unlike a lot, unlike some of these guys, you know, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Colin Mulcahy, even John Rahm, Cantley hasn't won that major. And you could say last year where he won, he won the Memorial. Well, I think I'd put a big asterisk next to it because yeah. we all know Rom probably would have won it if he didn't test positive, but that's a story for another day. And then can you do it when everybody's suspecting you the one? That, that's the thing, right? I think that before he was kind of coming under the radar a little bit, he was the guy that people weren't talking about. He was the one that was quietly, um, you know, going about his business. And now he is firmly... Um, in front. He is the guy that everybody expects to win. But Dylan, before we go off here, let's, uh, you know, give me some players championship trivia because I uh, it's, it's a tournament that we love and it's one that we can talk about and some fun facts. No, 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 no. I want you to give me some players trivia. No, you want me to give you some? Okay. Um, well, as I said earlier, you know, every single winner um, over the last 10 years has finished inside the top 22 or better. So let's just think about that list of players, right? KJ Choi, third before he won here. Matt Kuchar, 13th before he won here. Tiger Woods, fourth. Martin Keimer, 18th. Ricky Fowler, ninth. Jason Day, fifth. Siwoo Kim was a massive outsider. He was a 1,000 to 1 over here. Um, so that, that's a little bit of trivia for you. Probably the biggest price winner ever um, managed to get that win. See, with Kim, he was 22nd the week before. So there were some signs there. Webb Simpson obviously won that, uh, you, you know, that renewal in 2018 when people were sort of worried about whether his game was going to come back. Uh, and Rory McIlroy, sixth the week before as well. Um, can you name me a player that won his only PGA Tour event at the Players' Championship? Uh, how far back do I have to go? That's a good question because I don't actually I remember I, the year. I think I remember what year it was. It was like one of those strange years. I think it was before they moved it to May. It's, well, it was way before that. It was it was 2002 we are that, talking I, about. I, I know what you... Oh, gosh. I think, I think it was in a playoff. I can't... Uh, who finished second? Stephen Ames finished second, two strokes behind. Say it again. Stephen Ames came second. He he lost by two strokes to this person. Oh God! Why couldn't if why it's not a it's not a name people will think of? Oh boy, you got me thinking. Ah, dang it! Why couldn't have been the year before? I know I know what everything about the <laughs> one player. It's not the old two one. <laughs> Uh, I think you stumped me. Craig Perks won his only PGA Tour event uh, at the Players' Championship, which is which is absolutely remarkable when you think about it, right? The highest ever ranking in the world. He was 61st. He lost in a playoff in the PGA Tour of Australia, so never even won any other tour, okay? He lost on the, the Nike Tour, which is now the Corn Ferry Tour as well. So the one time he ever won, as a professional on the PGA Tour after 10 years of turning professional, nine years after turning professional, he wins the Players' Championship. I mean, how how on earth does that happen? How do you actually win that? Um, and he actually got named the New Zealand Sportsman of the Year uh, for that win as well. So 
that that's pretty remarkable, right? <laughs> I think I would have retired after that win because the players just. Uh, I think he might as well have done. The pl- the players gives you a whole bunch of money. Yeah, absolutely. How many players do you think in the last ten renewals of this event have come? How many winners have come from outside the United States? So how many international winners have there been? Trying to think, well, so this this is going back to 2011. Well, KJ, well, KJ Choi, yep, that's one. Roy, Siwoo Kim, yep. I know I'm missing one. Uh, Kyra, one more. Wait a minute. The year before Siwoo Kim won. I've got a question. Did said person win a major? Or has yes. In the same year. Maybe not the same year. Maybe it was the year before that he won his major. Won the won a major the year before. He won the PJ Championship in 2015. Oh, Jason Day. Jason Day. Yeah, because, there you go. because they beat uh, Spieth at... Because day one is PGA at Western Straits, which is another Pete Dye or Pete Dye similar course. Yep. And that's why every time we come to these kind of tracks, Jason Day will always pop up in those models, despite the fact that it's been years since he did it. But, you know, you, you look at some of the names of people that have come second on this golf course over the last kind of 10 years. So we've already spoken about Westwood and Jim Fury. The year before, we had Charles Schwartz and Jimmy Walker. Um, the year before that, Ian Poulter. Kevin Chappell came second to Jason Day. Kevin Kisner came second to Ricky Fowler. Uh, so did Sergio Garcia in a playoff. Jim Furyk second again to Martin Keimer. Jeff Maggot, David Lingmurf, and Kevin Strillman came second to Tiger Woods in 2013. 2012, Ben Curtis, Martin Laird, Zach Johnson, and Ricky Fowler second oh, to Matt Kuchar. Oh, God. So, sure that wasn't, you sure that wasn't like the uh, John Deere classical one? <laughs> as much as it is really, you know, an elite players tournament and, and you know, you really do expect a big time winner, you certainly get a few surprises um, at the top of the tournament. You know, 1999, David DeVal won and a certain Scott Gump came second. Do you remember who Scott Gump is? I have no idea who he is. <laughs> Scott Gump won three times on the Nationwide Tour, uh, but never on the PGA Tour. Yeah, and then, Close. and then the next year, how Sutton beat Tiger at the players. Yes, he did. And then, so, Tiger, and then Tiger finally won the... I think Tiger's finally won the players when he made that putt that's still going, that's still on the island green. <laughs> and, and the thing is now is that you look... Um, you, you think about some of the players that haven't won... Players championships. VJ Singh was second to Tiger Woods that year. That was the closest his came. Ernie Els never won a you know a players championship. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of players that this has been very elusive for. And as much as you know, it gets it gets mocked for not yeah, for it not being you know being mocked for it not being a major championship and it gets sort of treated like one. It is a really difficult tournament to win, and it will be one of the strongest fields, if not the strongest field of the year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because uh, you might have a five-shot lead on the last three holes, but you could make seven, seven, seven pretty easily. 
yeah, you, you you wouldn't want to go into uh, that that island green. Um, well, I don't know what situation I'd rather be in. I don't know if I'd want to be chasing and have to put it close to the flag or whether I'd want to have to uh, play it safe. But either way, no matter if you're bailing out or going for it, um, it's certainly a bit of a risky hole. So as much as it probably gets overhyped a little bit, it certainly will be important come the tournament end. Yeah, just hit the ball on the dance floor. Just don't look <laughs> at the water. Just look at the flag. I'd love, I'd love to go and play it and then say to myself, don't look at the water because I would probably go straight in there. I'd be, I, I don't know if you ever saw that video of that guy that never actually managed to hit the green and he had to kind of putt round to make it uh, on there. But uh, yeah, there's, there's certainly a story history of that hole. I think somebody made a 12 on that hole in a play. Trying to think who that was. I mean, Sergio Garcia had a really bad uh, hole there, I think, before. Um, I'm trying to think of who it was that made the 12. Let's have a look because that'll be interesting to see who that was now. I can tell you one person that made a hole in one that you might not remember was um, Willie Wilcox, who we had on our podcast. Uh, he made a hole in one there. He still gets used on the highlights today. Bob Tway made a 12 on the 17th yeah, hole in 2005. 2005. I looked it up and I'm like, how do you make a 12 on that hole? Who made who made an 11 since then? Uh, I, I think I looked it up and I'm like, oh no, it's like one of those weird names. I think it was Byung Hung An. That's it. He has he has glass eyes when he puts and uh yeah, maybe glass eyes when he's looking into the water as well when he's hitting his tee shot. I think he hit like four balls in the drink thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know what that does to you mentally. I don't know quite how you recover and hit a tee shot on 18 because 18's got this water as well down the left-hand side. So um, I don't think I'd want to go into there after I have a bad hole. It'd be like hitting the 12th at Augusta. Like if you come short, you're dead. You're sleeping with the fishes. I still think a part of Francesco Molinari's soul is in Ray's Creek at the moment. So, um, yeah, I, th- I don't think he's quite recovered from that. So it's going to be interesting. Players, you know, is a is a good warm-up to the Masters. We're not that far away now. Um, I think we're, we're exactly a month from from Masters week, aren't we? You know, 4th of April is, is the Monday of the Masters week. So um, really on the countdown now to the biggest event of the year. Yep, and uh, we'll be here, and we'll be here with uh, PC and uh, all kinds of action with that. So, thanks for hopping on, Tom. We wish you best. Well, and uh, we'll see you later. Thank you, Dylan. Thanks for having me, buddy.